Uh, first, though, we're going to start in Russia after those extraordinary events over the weekend. In the last half an hour or so, we've been told to expect statements uh, from Vladimir Putin. Uh, that information coming from various news agencies will keep across that for you. If and when he does speak, we'll, of course, uh, bring them to you. We have, however, already heard from the head of the Wagner Group, Yevgeny Prigozhin. Now, in his statements he made in an audio message, he shed some light on what happened over the weekend. Uh, his aim, he says, wasn't uh, to overthrow the government when he took his mercenary soldiers up through Russia. He does admit shooting down Russian jets in retaliation, he claims, for airstrikes against his soldiers. Well, our Russia editor, Steve Rosenberg, reports now from Moscow. After a weekend of high drama, there was no sense of victory in the Russian capital. The mutiny had failed, but what next for President Putin? And what would the Russian authorities tell the Russian people about what had happened? Vladimir Putin said nothing today about the mutiny. He was shown discussing engineers. It's not clear when this was recorded. But Yevgeny Prigozhin, head of the Wagner mercenaries, who hasn't been seen in public since Saturday, did talk today about his rebellion. In an audio message, he claimed his fighters hadn't wanted to overthrow Russia's government. It had been a protest, he said, a way of avoiding the destruction of the Wagner group. Russian officials have denounced Mr. Prigozhin as a traitor. But Prime Minister Mikhail Mishustin also blamed the West for what had happened. Russia, he said, had faced a challenge to its stability. We need to rally around the president. State TV was on message. The presenter claims that Russians had united to support Vladimir Putin and denounced treachery. Our enemies were in ecstasy during the mutiny, she said. The traitor Yevgeny Prigozhin did a good job for Western propaganda. But at the newspaper kiosk, I discovered a different reaction. In the dailies, it was less blame the West and much more. Where is Russia heading? Russian newspapers are really interesting on this today. Even though the media landscape here is heavily controlled by the state, some of the papers are saying things the Kremlin isn't. For example, this paper says that with the mutiny, Russia has demonstrated its vulnerability to the whole world and to itself. And this paper calls what Mr. Prigozhin has done an unprecedented challenge to Vladimir Putin. It says it will have long-term consequences for Russia. Events seem to take the Kremlin by surprise. Did two decades in power make Vladimir Putin too confident? After 23 years, I mean, you do lose your sense of reality. In a giant country like this, when everything is in the center and everybody is doing everything at your whim, you would be incredibly great person not to lose your marbles this way. He's under pressure. But don't write off Vladimir Putin. One thing he's learnt since coming to power is how to stay there. Steve Rosenberg, BBC News, Moscow. And in just a moment, we'll hear from our Eastern Europe correspondent, Sarah Rainsford. First, though, let's get the latest from our international editor, Jeremy Bowen, who's in Kyiv. Anything that's bad for President Putin and for Russia is good. 
as far as the Ukrainians are concerned, from President Zelensky right down through his chain of command. But what has to be remembered is that problems in Russia do not translate automatically or rapidly into advances on the battlefield for the Ukrainian army. Since they started their offensive earlier on this month, they have recaptured a number of villages from the Russians. But what they haven't managed to do yet, and they haven't really tried either, is to make those vital tactical breakthroughs that would be necessary if they want to change the course of the war, which is, of course, their objective and NATO's as well, the people giving them the material support that they require. Now, as for the Russian army, it's still a question as to whether or not what's happening in Moscow and in Russia affects their ability to fight on the battlefield. The, the fighters of the Wagner Group have been ruthless and, at times, effective. And it's possible that without them, the Russian army might lose whatever capacity it has left, not much, to maneuver and counterattack. And anyway, armies do not fight well if their political masters are at each other's throats. So for President Putin and the people who support him in the Kremlin, the big priority has to be trying to restore his authority after the events of the weekend. And that for him right now is the biggest challenge. Uh, thanks to uh, Jeremy Bowen. Just to mark your card, we said right at the top of the show that we are expecting to hear statements uh, from Vladimir Putin. So we are keeping an eye on the feeds coming through to us. Uh, whilst we wait uh, for that, uh, let's get the latest uh, from Sarah Rainsford. Well, this is Evgeny Prigozhin's attempt to answer, he says, uh, a lot of questions that he's been getting, but it leaves a lot of other questions unanswered because we still don't know where he is. We don't know if he's in Belarus, as uh, had been suggested over the weekend, um, but he did leave a bit of a hint because he said it was Alexander Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, who had intervened to resolve the, the crisis over the weekend. Now, as to what caused that crisis, well, Mr. Prigozhin was trying to make very clear that he was not attempting to overthrow the elected authorities of Russia. This was not a challenge he was trying to make clear to Vladimir Putin himself. He, he paints all of it as a fight with the Russian Defence Ministry, uh, the result of a, of a huge feud that has been brewing for a long time between him and the Defence Minister. And he claims that it was triggered, this march on Moscow, uh, when the Russian um, Defence Ministry fired on positions of his Wagner Group inside Ukraine, although we've never seen any proof of that. Now, although he, he's trying to say that this was not a challenge to Mr Putin, I have to say that the very fact of this march and uh, uh, the detail, uh, details of what happened, they have, I think, dented the authority of Vladimir Putin. He is a president who makes control and stability his bywords, and those have been challenged very directly by what happened over the weekend. So I think it's important that today we discovered that the criminal charges against Evgeny Prigozhin are still in force. There is still a case out against him, which is potentially why he's lying low, potentially why we still don't know an awful lot, including where exactly he is. 
Thanks to Sarah Rainsford for that. And as you can see, just as Sarah finished talking there, the picture changed. That is a freeze frame. We're getting these pictures in just to explain uh, from an agency. Uh, so we don't have complete control over them. But at the moment, you can see that's a frozen image. We're going to uh, just keep it across that uh, feed and see if anything starts happening because we have been uh, warned to expect some statements from Vladimir Putin in the hours ahead. And we've also heard uh, from AFP news agency saying uh, the leader of Belarus uh, is also expected uh, to make an address very soon. Um, a quote there is through the Telegram channel close to the president. So Telegram is a messaging app. So through that messaging app, so it's close clearly to the president saying we're expected to hear from the leader of Belarus. But we do now have uh, Vladimir Putin speaking on those uh, feed coming in. Let's take a listen. Попытки устроить внутреннюю смуту обречены на провал. Повторю, была проявлена высочайшая консолидация общества. So this is to confirm these are the pictures of Vladimir Putin that we were told to expect and his statements uh, speaking right now. We do not have a live English translation of this and we're being told that this is a tape replay. So this isn't uh, live right now, but this is the first time we're seeing him uh, speak. We were told to expect uh, some statements. Uh, this is him but we don't have an English live translation on this so we are working on that uh, as we speak. Uh, we are getting uh, some lines out of the Reuters news agency on it, uh, very brief so far. Uh, Vladimir Putin saying that society has consolidated. So Vladimir Putin saying in this message that we're watching right now that society has consolidated. So uh, the Reuters news agency getting that translation and as those uh, lines come through in drips and drabs uh, we will bring them to you because this is clearly a very significant statement. This is a statement on state TV uh, in Russia. Uh, many people have been waiting uh, throughout the weekend and of course throughout the day today to hear from Vladimir Putin, to hear his reaction uh, since uh, the events of the weekend and indeed the Wagner group uh, turning around and heading back to their bases. Um, we want to know exactly how he is now framing these events because how he framed it over the weekend was mutiny and punishment and betrayal. Uh, we don't know the details of what deal was done with Prigozhin, with the Wagner Group, uh, but we do know that the head of the Wagner Group spoke a little earlier, saying that he turned his troops around, that he never intended to topple Vladimir Putin, he never intended to topple the government. His targets were clear. It was the military leadership that he was unhappy with. He was unhappy with their decision-making, he was unhappy with their performance, he was unhappy with their supplies to the Wagner Group, and he said he had to make his point. He did admit shooting down uh, some Russian armed uh, helicopters. Um, but then we don't know where he is. We know uh, that the audio message was released, but we don't uh, have any video of Prigozhin. These are uh, the statements 
Uh, that we're watching right now. It's a tape replay of Vladimir Putin. We're getting a few more details now about what he's actually saying. He says, all necessary decisions to neutralize the threat were taken at the very beginning. The mutiny would not have been suppressed anyway. Uh, that's Excuse me, I'll just correct that. The mutiny would have been suppressed anyway. Organisers realised their actions were criminal. So, we have, for the first time, Vladimir Putin addressing what happened, addressing the mutiny, in his words, and this is what he said about it. He said all necessary decisions to neutralise the threat were taken at the very beginning. The mutiny would have been suppressed anyway, and the organisers, we're going to presume that's the head of the Wagner group, realised their actions were criminal. So that translation uh, coming from my colleague Vitaly Shevchenko uh, here in the BBC. Just going to see if there's any more lines coming uh, from Vitaly as this uh, uh, translation continues. Uh, Putin saying uh, another line here from Reuters that most of the Wagner group are also patriots. So some concession, it seems. Most of the Wagner are also patriots. So clearly not a straightforward message from uh, Vladimir Putin. There is some uh, nuance going on here in his words. And he thanks, actually, the commanders and soldiers of the Wagner group who avoided bloodshed. And that was Prigozhin's message as well. He said he turned his group around to avoid bloodshed, to avoid Russian blood being spilt. And Vladimir Putin here thanks the commanders and soldiers of of the Wagner group who avoided uh, bloodshed. So some significant concessions, it would appear. Let's see what other lines are coming through. Again, we're going to bring you a bit more from Vitaly Shevchenko, just as that message ends there. So as we uh, lose those feeds uh, there from uh, Russia, what we will do is work on that translation into English, so we will uh, be able to listen to it all. But just as that was playing out, Vitaly Shevchenko, my colleague, uh, has been sending through some lines of translation. We have uh, a couple more, one more significant to bring you. said they wanted Russia to lose and our society to drown in blood, but they miscalculated. I thank all our security services, those who stayed loyal to their oath, the pilots who died. This is after the other uh, line from uh, Vitaly Shevchenko, my colleague here, saying uh, that Vladimir Putin was saying all necessary decisions to neutralise the threat were taken at the very beginning. The mutiny would have been suppressed anyway, and organisers realised their actions were criminal. So some really interesting lines, and they are still coming. Reuters saying that Vladimir Putin said this, I promise those of Wagner who want to go back to Belarus, I will keep my promise. So, a lot to digest and a lot to uh, pick through, and I'm pleased to say we're going to do exactly that now. We can speak to Sergei Rachenko, Professor of International Relations at uh, Johns Hopkins uh, University. Uh, thanks very much for coming on the programme. Thank you for having me. So, thanks for standing by as we were getting the message there of Vladimir Putin through in drips and drabs, little bits of translation. We're not going to get a complete picture for a few minutes, um, but what's your immediate reaction to what you're hearing? 
Well, I, I did not hear uh, the uh, anything remarkably new in this message. It seems that he came down pretty hard on Prigozhin, and it seems that Wagner is not going to be able to operate in Russia. Uh, that is uh, what I heard. I did not hear the entire message. And that kind of connects to what Prigozhin was saying earlier today about Wagner having to relocate to Belarus, which, of course, raises very interesting questions. But yes, we do have at the moment this very strange love triangle, love-hate triangle with Putin. Putin, Prigozhin, Lukashenko, all playing uh, in different ways. Uh, and it would be very interesting to see where this, this leads. What do you make of the fact that he's having, I suppose, to make this statement at all? Well, clearly Putin has been under some stress. This was an unprecedented challenge to his authority. The fact that Wagner troops marched almost all the way to Moscow, 200 kilometers from Moscow is where they stopped and turned around. That simply could not be tolerated in Putin's system. This kind of challenge was completely unprecedented. Therefore, he had to do something. He had to come down hard. So he declared Prigozhin a traitor. Uh, and uh, he uh, said that Prigozhin had stabbed him in the back. Now, what is interesting is that Lukashenko interfered and effectively rescued Prigozhin and is now seemingly bringing him to Belarus. Of course, as Sarah Rainsford said, this has not been confirmed. We have not actually seen Prigozhin on the ground in Belarus. But it does raise unexpectedly raises Lukashenko's standing in this relationship. I mean, he was basically sometimes difficult client, but still a client of Moscow. Now he is, he seems like he's saving Russia from bloodbath. He's saving Russia from a civil war. What does that tell us about Lukashenko? So that is an interesting position of Lukashenko and how he emerges from this uh, situation. Now, Putin, I think, emerges weakened and uh, this, this statement and his activity over the last 24, 40 48 hours only confirm that. Interesting. Well, just to your point there, I think this reinforces it. We've got another line of translation from my colleague Vitaly Shevchenko here at the BBC, uh, quoting Putin as saying this, I thank Lukashenko uh, for his efforts to resolve the situation peacefully, but it was society's unity that played the decisive role. Uh, so I wonder your reaction to that. On one hand, uh, giving a little bit of credit, uh, where I presume he thinks credit is due, but uh, fundamentally he's praising the Russian people. Exactly. And, you know, one word that he that he used is a word that, that has no English translation. It's the word smuta. Smuta means upheaval. So he's basically scaring a lot of there's a Russian collective kind of fear of this upheaval, this word smuta in Russian. And Putin is playing on this fear. And he's saying there could be an upheaval, there could be a civil war. And so it's great that the society came around me and united around me. And that is where he talks about Russian unity. Uh, so he's playing on the Russian fears of uncertainty. He's playing on the fear of the civil war in order to try to shore up his authority. But there's no question that the authority has been badly undermined. Well, well let, let, let's explore exactly that idea then. Because so much of his power has been based on this idea of strength and attraction and almost the idea that there isn't any option other than him or chaos. Uh, now we've seen a little bit of chaos here. Does that whole argument disintegrate or is there still a lot more to go? Well, he's still trying to play on the same theme. He's saying, well, if it weren't for me, you'd have chaos every day. And there is this, and that hence the reference to Smuta, hence the occasional reference to the 1990s. Uh, whether this is sustainable over the longer term is a difficult question, because I think eventually the Russian people will have to say, well, excuse me, you, you were supposed to guarantee 
um, stability, economic prosperity. And what do we have now? We have an actual armed mutiny. That's unheard of. I mean, not entirely unheard of in the long span of Russian history, but certainly in recent times. And that will, I think, lead to very difficult questions about Putin's rule. So, okay, I want to get your thoughts now on where this leaves the Wagner Group. I'm going to quote one more line of translation. This is from AFP. Vladimir Putin, say, Vladimir Putin saying, Wagner mutineers can join the army or go to Belarus. Uh, Sergey, your thoughts on that, first of all, and where this leaves the Wagner Group now? So this was part of uh, Putin's original plan. Uh, the idea was to uh, reintegrate Wagner into the Ministry of Defense. That, of course, is the reason that Prigozhin basically struck out, because he didn't want to be subordinated to the Ministry of Defense by July 1st. This was the deadline. And I think Putin is now saying, well, those who want to join the Ministry of Defense and remain in Russia, they're free to do so, and the rest can go to Belarus. I see this as uh, a strange concession by Putin that does demonstrate his weakness i.e., uh, what does that show about his uh, ability to control the situation? We are used to thinking of Putin as somebody who's at least um, able to control his own minions. Okay, he's no longer able to persecute a war in Ukraine. That's been very clear, but at least control his own minions. And now he cannot even deal with a rebellion and is actually allowing the free exit of some of those who were uh, rebelling against him over to Belarus. And of course, that leaves lots of questions. How? What will they do in Belarus? Will Wagner operate from under Lukashenko's wing? You know, Will they have access to Russian equipment? Will they operate in Africa? Will they go back to Ukraine? Lots of unanswered questions. And let's look to the head then, Prigozhin. Where does this leave him now? I don't mean geographically. We don't quite know that at the moment. But Vladimir Putin, given everything you know of his pattern of behaviour, what do you think will be his decision? Well, uh, uh, look, uh, if we have learned anything about Putin over the time that he has been in power, it's that he does not accept treason. He accepts it accepts incompetence. That's okay. You know, he, he can you can be fairly incompetent, fairly stupid, and still serve Putin, and many have done, but he does not accept treason. And those who have crossed him in this way have tended to pay the price. The question is, will he be able will he be able to, you know, reach Prigozhin, who is basically under the protection of Lukashenko? That is where this relationship is a little bit unclear. Uh, if I were Prigozhin, I would be certainly concerned <laughs> about my future and, and would measure expectations about my life expectancy. Absolutely uh, fascinating. Sergei Radchenko, thank you very much uh, for coming on. Thanks for standing by, for listening to that statement and picking through each bit as it came out. We really appreciate your time and your expertise. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.